I learned that I'm not living in my truth. And at this moment, my voice used to go out all the time. And I met this healer there that was from Bali. And like, I talked to her about this, told her about like what I was going through. And she's like, your voice is going out because you're not living in your truth and being honest with yourself about what you want in your life. Mm. I'm here with Camila Romero. Mm. I met you through my friend, Jess Jackson. Yes. And um, I didn't know anything about what you did, but I just knew that you were so damn stylish. Oh, thank you. I was like, well, this is an interesting human. (laughs) (laughs) And then I looked you up on Instagram and I saw that you have a whole clothing line. Um, Tell me about that. What is it? What's the story behind there? So my clothing line is called Dead Blood. Um, We're a sustainable, well, let me go back. My clothing line is called Dead Blood. We're a women immigrant owned label here in Los Angeles. We're ethical. We don't source anything outside of the U.S. We get everything made here and we pay all of our workers their fair wages. We're on our way to trying and becoming as sustainable as we can. So that's why I corrected myself because I see a lot of brands nowadays just labeling themselves as sustainable and not doing their actual part in that, just using it as like a bonus keyword. keyword, Right. So we're on our way to trying to be as sustainable as possible with that being said. <laughs> How did you get into that? How did you turn something that you, it's like a passion into like a real job, into a real company? Well, for me, my journey really started by being in the fashion industry period. I started modeling when I first moved to LA for college. Um, just like extra fun income, things that I like wanted to do. Brands would hit me up from Instagram, say if I wanted to come in and like model for them. So it all really just started there my passion for fashion. <laughs> and, I like um, that. <laughs> passion for fashion. <laughs> you know, that's the Bratz doll like logo. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. So funny. But um, so yeah, so I started modeling. Um, one of my big goals in moving to LA was acting. So it was along the realms of like opening doors for myself. Um, and then just working with a bunch of different brands throughout the years and like growing as a person, developing my craft, developing myself as an artist. I started like really understanding who I was in fashion, like what I wanted to see, exactly like the kind of style that I vibed with the most. And But did you know you wanted to make fashion? When you came out here, you're doing modeling, you're doing acting. Right. Was that just a, a means to get to fashion or is it all kind of? No, it actually, like, I never thought that I would be here, to be honest. It was like... (laughs) (laughs) Bless you, (laughs) Brazzy. It was something for me that was so special because I didn't think I had, like, the ability to do what I do now. And it's special because it came, like, at a perfect time. Like, I started to believe in myself. I was actually, like really wanting to start my own label just because like I started getting tired of these brands and like not agreeing with their ethical uh, beliefs and wanting to make a change in my own way. Yeah. Wanting to make a difference in the industry in my own way and like seeing the vision, you know, seeing the vision as to like how and what I wanted to create. Um, So then I started really just like putting mood boards together. It started simply like as just that, like putting mood boards together. And then I ended up meeting one of my best friends, Marina Mendez, who is 
actually were very similar in the aspect of both coming from the modeling industry, both working as models, working in the fashion industry. And then we went to Burning Man together and <laughs> we decided at Burning Man, like, let's do this adventure together. We both get asked. And it was funny because like people come up to us at festivals all the time. Where did you get this? I love your outfit, this and that. And that was kind of like when we had the epiphany, like, we need to do this. Like That's funny. I wonder how many people come up with business ideas at Burning Man. Like, <laughs> dude, we should make something together, man. <laughs> but you did it. It's the perfect place, honestly. <laughs> like, I've never been surrounded by more inspiration in my life than that place. It's special for sure. I haven't been yet, but I really want to go. I it's, do a lot of psychedelics, so I feel like I'd fit right in, but oh I haven't God. done it yet. It's definitely, like, a psychedelic playground. And it's really cool because, like, you know, all these festivals out here, there's like GA, VIP, all access. You go to Burning Man, there's literally like no money involved, no VIP, no all access. You could literally be right next to P. Diddy and like Diplo and it's just like regular hangout. No one's above each other. They really make it like this new age community of creatives and artists that come together and gather to like give thanks in a way and just like showcase their art, which is incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost like an experimental city. Exactly. See, this is what society could be like. And what it shows us and it gives <laughs> us the key elements of how we should be living our lives in regular society too. Right. Is there like a, a, a written out philosophy of Burning Man? Yes. What is it? There's like, I don't know all of it, but there is specific rules to it. Like leave no trace, like do not litter. Um, um What's another one? My favorite one is radical self-reliance, which is like really interesting because you go there and you have these moments of literally being alone in the desert. There's a dust storm. You don't have friends. You don't have anyone around you and you have to have radical self-reliance. And that should be something that is taught to us as humans from school, just like relying on yourself, trusting yourself in survival mode, like yes. no matter where you're in. I feel like that's been most of my childhood growing up <laughs> as an immigrant, you know, and, and moving that. around so much. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, when the pandemic first came around, I felt so prepared for it. I launched mm -hmm. a whole new business that like transformed my life. And because I think I've, I'm so used to being in survival mode mm -hmm. that when the whole world got into it, I thrived. I was mm -hmm. like, aha, yeah. we can make opportunities happen, True. right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of immigrants when they come to America are very entrepreneurial. Yes. So actually we launched... Dead Blood 2020, February 2020, right? Like, I think it was two weeks before the lockdown. Wow. So we're like, yes, new business idea. All of our savings is going into this and we are launching. And then two weeks later, like the pandemic hits and it's like, whoa, the wow. world stops what's happening. But it's, it was actually a really dope experience for me and Marina as creatives because it really let us like dive into being designers and learning. This was our first time doing anything like this. So I think we needed that. It's kind of like it forced us to, to hunker down. Exactly. So so your partner, did she, what was she bring into it? Was she also just somebody who stylistically matched your vibe? You yeah. had the same vision? I mean, we're both pretty involved in the creative side of it. Um, I think it's, it's funny because it's still like very early on the stages of it. Um, like we both are just trying to figure things out. You know, it's both just like living live and living our lives and still trying to balance like owning this baby that we have to take care of every single day and nourish it and like do everything ourselves, which is so extremely hard to do. Yeah, what's the day to day like? So like the, the things that you, that you guys make, it's made, is it all made here in L.A.? Yes. Okay. So then you do you just make like a whole run of like a season and then 
ship it or do you kind of make them as you go? No, we try to do it um, in a more sustainable way, like made to order because a lot of our um, a lot of our stuff is like high quality, high end items. And those items specifically, like we can't just like make whole production of it because we just sit on it and literally it's like the second bedroom in my apartment is where we work out of and it's already like so full of things like we yeah. don't have space for that yeah so so you guys right now are, it's almost like it's almost like a custom boutique yes thing which is in a way even more valuable than it being full yes. production out right yeah i mean like the smaller items like bikinis um like some of our sweatsuits because they like sell a lot we'll we will make small productions of those things and we've had to learn the hard way because at the beginning we're like yeah like we just like made so many things and then it was like okay my house is full her house is full like what do we do <laughs> but, okay so for the people watching at home who maybe have an idea to one day do their own clothing company like what were the steps like how do you go from fuck yeah let's do one at burning man to like what is you said you made mood boards right yeah How'd you even know to do that? Like, did you take classes online? Like, people don't just randomly make clothing <laughs> companies, right? Like, what were the steps? So, it's funny when people ask me for advice on, like, oh, how did you get started? Like, it's really simple. You have friends that are probably in every field. Like, mm -hmm. don't be scared to ask for help. Don't be scared to reach out to somebody that might maybe not even be in the same field, but might know somebody that they could point you towards that can give you the answer that you need or can right. even just like help you get to that answer in some way. So I've been lucky to know a lot of amazing like people that have guided me in amazing ways and have given me the tools to start that. And um, it all came from honestly like my relationships I've built through going to festivals and <laughs> like knowing my friends that do have these small brands that they vend at festivals and I've loved and I've supported and I've modeled for them and we've built these relationships. So like now it's like, hey, like I want to do my own thing. Can you support me and help me with just simple information on how to get there? And they have and they've been amazing with that. And you weren't just befriending them to one day ask a, f a favor in the future, right? I think people get a misconception of what networking means. And 1, I think it means percent. give me, give me, give me. To me, networking means how can I give to you? Exactly. When I meet people, it's like, what are you working on and how can I help? I try to add value to people. And then eventually when I need stuff, it's just when it comes up, it comes up. But it's exactly. not a give me thing. No, like, and that's the thing. That's the funny part about it is that, like, I always saw my career in, like, modeling, acting, I never thought that like I would be a designer in Los Angeles and that would be like one of my biggest projects so far. Yeah. You know, and like as an artist, I feel like I am developing all of my different crafts and that's a craft that I never like tapped into until recently. And guess what? Me tapping into it has shown me my ability and is opening the doors for all of the other things that I've been wanting to do. Yes. I think the old school mentality of thinking we're just one thing. Oh, I'm just an actor or designer or doctor or whatever. I guess mm -hmm. if you're going to be a doctor, maybe you kind of can't also be a, a sailor or whatever, right? right? Mm -hmm. But in the creative fields, it actually is beneficial to have a few side practices as well, mm -hmm. right? Because maybe a breakthrough that you have in learning how to design or put together a certain product might then help you in like an acting thing that you're doing or whatever the next exactly. venture is, right? It's like, it's not just about doing your thing because you didn't know you were coming here for fashion. Exactly. It was an actual extension. Right. And it's all art at the end of the day. If you're an artist, like tap into every form of art that you can 
build a craft in because it all ties in all together. Like same thing with music, like music, I'm, I'm starting my music journey recently. And it's also something that I never had the confidence to do. Um, I didn't think I was good enough, but me putting myself in fashion and realizing how it goes hand in hand with music yeah. gives me the confidence to be like, Hey, I want to rep and wear my own stuff and also like have something cool to say in a song. And Why like not? make a music video and be a creative director and do all of these things. Like it's it's just like small little things that tie together and open my mind up to like so many possibilities yes. that were never open before. If yeah. I and like giving me the confidence to do things out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Well, I mean, even look at, you know, we're both wearing Yeezys right now, right? <laughs> like Kanye, what I love about him is that he's constantly pushing the boundaries of what you can do as an artist. Exactly. Right? If you saw the documentary, at first, it was hard just trying to get put on as a rapper. Exactly. And then when he's a rapper, they're like, oh, just do rapping. Right. And then he was like, I want to do fashion. And I remember there was this interview, no shade because I like Charlemagne, but I remember in 2013 when Kanye came out with Yeezys, Charlemagne was telling him, like, nobody wants to hear about, you know, your fashion. We just want to hear your music. And he was like, no, I'm telling you guys, I want to change the world the fashion he's like nobody cares just stick to music it's literally like on camera and then oh like, my god years later it's like blah it's like as creatives i feel like we just we're vessels 1, and we make things better right you see an outfit and you're like hmm i could do something here right and it's like it's right. that need to want to improve and create and connect right can't be limited and i feel like as artists and creators there's so many things that we develop passions for as we grow in our journey it's like we grow as artists. One we, second, let me make sure he's not biting the cord. Bradley, what are you biting? <laughs> Come here. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna hang over here. Every episode, you get my attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but yeah, as artists, as creators, we grow. And in, during that growth, I feel like, is when we find ourselves liking new things and wanting new things, wanting more. Like Kanye, like, what is he doing now? Like architecture? Yeah. You know, that's like... <laughs> oh, the day is full of surprises. Which one was that? Oh, no, I don't even think that was the main one. I think it was just the back one. Yeah. You know, this is a good example for life, right? Is you got to take <laughs> everything that happens as... A gift. Yes. Right? Because you can go into any situation with your plan of how you want it to work exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. And then it doesn't go your way. And then you have an opportunity to grow. Exactly. Right? That's like the, the arc of every movie. There's yep. a character and they have a desire. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they think their life is going to go one way. And then yeah. it all goes to shit. And then they have a chance in a third act to overcome it all. And there's the hero, right? That's well, a movie arc. Yeah, I'm a true believer in that everything happens for a reason. And what is for you won't miss you. Mm. Like, for sure. I believe that so hard because, like, I just didn't understand why things weren't working out for me in one lane that I really wanted to acquire. But then here you go, like, what, five years later, getting the opportunities that I dreamt of getting when I first moved to Los Angeles. Now, because of having fashion become like my number one platform where I can showcase my talent and people see that and people like are drawn to that aspect of me and then learn more of me as an artist. Yes, it's amazing. It's like we haven't even discovered all the things that we're gonna love to do. Exactly. And it should be never ending. Like yeah. I, I have plans of <laughs> 
passions that I have right now that I plan out, even though like we just said plans don't work, mm -hmm. but it's just like goals of mine that I want to acquire in life, but I know that I'm not ready to do them right now. And I need to like, like what? um, like I just later in life, I want to really hold like healing, um, retreats mm -hmm. and I want to like hold space for people and be able to give my knowledge of my healing and, and I want to end up going that route with my life. But I feel like right now is like, I need to focus on my career and what I have going on now so that I have the knowledge to give when I'm older and yes. wiser. I love that. Those kind of retreats are really important. Yeah. I've gone to um, a lot of like personal help seminars, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of Tony Robbins events. I'm in love with like self-help. That's oh my like, God. I'm obsessed. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's like a, when I was a kid, my parents put me onto Tony Robbins, and it just made me feel like it was like the cheat codes to life. But the the cheat code was basically saying like take full responsibility for everything. Like what, what was, was that, that um, the thing, thing from, from Burning Man? Man? Uh, uh, radical self reliance. Radical self reliance. Mm -hmm. That's most of what personal development mm -hmm. is. It's letting go of old patterns, mm -hmm. right? All the because you know realizing how much our behaviors are a result of our traumas. Yes. Right. They're just a defense mechanism for how I grew up and the things I right. had to deal with. And now you get me. Me. I'm just defending from all those things. Right. right. So then realizing that, trying to let go of it and get back into the loving self that we have. Yeah. That's where psychedelics really changed the game for me. One thousand percent. It's all about. The only way you can truly heal the world is by healing yourself. And yeah. I, I believe that hardcore too. Like you need to work on yourself harder than anything else. Yeah. So that you give the best version of yourself to the world. And that's the gift. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I like your mindset. Like, Brazzy, leave it. Huh? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> Look at that face. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know what I find really cool is that it's becoming cool to do personal development and not just self-help, but just like working on our mental health is now a cool thing. Yeah. It used to be that if you said you went to a therapist, it was because something was wrong. Wrong, yeah. But now there's like rappers talking about going to therapy. You know what I mean? Like it's actually, the stigma is going away and we're realizing that's actually like the best flex you could do for yourself. 1000 Is taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. It's like is taking the mental health day, is meditate, whatever it is for you. And for everybody, it's different. Exactly. You know, but that, that can't be something that's ignored. 1000%. I think like for me too, like you said, like my journey, your journey started like with psychedelics. I think like that's where all of my realizations, my conditioning, you know, I'm from Colombia. I was born in Colombia. Um, my parents immigrated to this country to give me a better life. And going back to what you had said earlier, like a lot of immigrants come here and become entrepreneurs. There's a lot of pressure for immigrant children to come to this country and not do what your parents expected you to do. So being an entrepreneur and being an immigrant child, there's a lot of pressure in that field. And a lot of people yes. don't talk about that. Like my biggest breakthrough to this day, and again, it all ties into me being obsessed with self-help, my parents seeing that and sending me to a retreat and thinking that it's gonna like help me in a sense, and it did, it changed my life. Yeah. Because I came back from that and realized that I wasn't living in my truth. My mom wanted me to go to law school, I was in college, like I was doing everything I wanted to do for her, for my, both of my parents. Right, for what they, she expected you to do. Because they had this vision for me. And my fear of disappointing them was bigger than ever. Mm -hmm. And so, 
me going to this retreat that they like sent me to thinking it's going to like put me to be more studious and to do the right thing and continue going to school because I was already like, <sighs> like I'm not feeling good. You know what I mean? And my parents could see that. So they sent me to this thing and come back. And they wanted you to be a lawyer. Correct. Okay. I mean, that's what I thought I wanted for myself, but mm. I wasn't being honest with myself. I kind of was just like, yeah. I want to be a lawyer because I love to argue, but like, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm like secretly modeling, acting, doing things that I did when I was younger, but like my parents didn't really take seriously. So now that I'm on my own, I'm really doing it, but I'm hiding my life from them and like mm. having a secret Instagram that they don't know about and like creating this double life. Wow. And it's like. When did that merge? When did they find out? So the day I come back, the day they go and pick me up from this retreat, and they're like, how was it? What did you learn? And it's like a Tony Robbins thing, by the yeah. way. And what did you learn? Like, are you more motivated? Like, how are you? And I'm like, you know what? I learned that I'm not living in my truth. And at this moment, my voice used to go out all the time. And I met this healer there that was from Bali. And, like, I talked to her about this, told her about, like, what I was going through. And she's like your voice is going out because you're not living in your truth and being honest with yourself about what you want in your life. Mm. And it really hit me like, I'm really not living for myself right now. Like I'm just accepting what my parents want for me. And how far is this going to go? Am I going to end up in law school being miserable? And then like, it's too late to like opt out and it's too late for me to go back to like finding myself. Um, so I told them right there and then like, I'm not happy. I don't want to go to law school. Um, I want to pursue being an artist. And of course, to immigrant parents, that's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they like definitely didn't understand it for a very long time. They didn't understand the fashion. They didn't understand me going to festivals. They didn't understand <laughs> anything about me. And I just continued telling them like, it's okay. You don't have to understand. Mm. I think it wasn't until... I got on the HBO show um, with the fashion. And even then, like, my dad's like, I don't get your fashion sometimes. But it wasn't until the HBO show where he sees all these artists, rappers, people in the industry dressing like that, that he, me and him had a talk later on. And he was like, I get it. I understand. I'm like, oh, it took me being on television and showcasing that I'm actually kind of cool <laughs> for you to understand. Okay, dad. But now they're super supportive. They like, they oh. get me, they've let go of like their expectations for me. And I think they're more proud of the fact that I've stuck through with what I've wanted and shown like that I deserve respect because I have stuck with it and not yes. just like. It's not a phase. This is who I am. Because <laughs> when people think artists, they think loosey-goosey, right. just whatever lifestyle. But really, it's it, it creates a lot of radical independence, self-reliance to yes. be an artist because there is no charted out path, right? If you wanted to be a lawyer, you know you have to pass the bar. There's like all these things you have to do until you're like certified. Like you know it could take, even if it takes six years, like, okay, great. It's going to suck for these six years and then I'll be a lawyer. It's charted out. But for, as an artist... Well, they don't know what to expect. They but, don't know going to festivals is a part of it. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like like you said, like when I was going to law school, I was being fully like financially supported by my parents. Like they helped me out with anything I needed. But the moment that I said I wanted to be an artist, I became fully independent for myself. 
had to figure shit out, had to like do my own thing. And that's where like, that's when I started like really taking modeling seriously, really trying to get signed by an agency. So I had money coming in. And you were here in LA? Yes. Okay. And what kind of hustles were you doing before the, the money got consistent? What, what kind of gigs? I worked at T-Mobile. Okay. And I was a really good sales rep. Really? Yes. I actually got scouted to work for T-Mobile, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like think they had this, ma- this manager was like, I think you'd be a great sales rep because it's like heard me talking to people. <laughs> like, <laughs> like really? But and so I got scouted to be like not on the regular T-Mobiles, but like they're the um what is it called? Like a flagship store? <laughs> no, they're they're like the main stores, like the corporation stores. Okay. So then, yeah, I went through like an interview of like over 200 people that were trying to get like this job because it paid good for being like one of my first jobs and also paid commission. Right. And then um, I was like one out of like the five people and I was like 19. So I felt kind of cool. It's like, yeah, I have a big girl job. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And then when did you start making money on your art? Like what was the first time... So I guess modeling and acting are mm-hmm. a whole field, but what about when you started making money on the things that you make? Like with fashion? Yeah. Well, that that wasn't until we launched our brand. Like I had to have money saved up. We, me and Marina both had money saved up. Got it. From our own oops, from our own um hustles. Right. To put into this project because it was a baby that we needed to invest in. And it was like a commitment we both made to each other that we would invest about the same amount of money in um, to get it like up and started. I love that. Mm -hmm. And then were you just like giving away pieces? Like how did you sell your first? No, we completely invested in having an online like store. Okay. Um, We got our Instagram. We saw the whole vision for like what we wanted to do with the vibe of the Instagram. Our marketing honestly until recently has always been just like creating a vibe on Instagram Mm. and it's worked out for us pretty well because I feel like our Instagram's the vision of what the brand is that goes towards the website and we get to be creative and with our shoots we model mostly all all of it like ourselves but we have had friends to come in and model for us too I think as like we expand it's just going to be kind of fun to see us like how we grow together as creatives I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that process, especially like when you're in startup mode mm-hmm. and you're still figuring out the whole thing. But what's interesting is that like when you build your vibe mm-hmm. on Instagram, like that is like it's so new age marketing that a lot of people don't get it. But yeah. like when I hear about a brand and I check their social media, if it looks like shit, I don't trust that brand at all. Right. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Like it's like no, how I do you agree. not have a good page? Right. You know, it's such it, a, a trust factor. I agree. One thousand percent. It's like because you have to create the vision for people. Like they got to see what it is you're trying to sell. Like they got to see the vision. It's not just about the clothes. It's about what do you stand for? What are you doing for the environment? And my, in my perspective, like that's what I look at, like my favorite brands and like what they're doing is it's, it's more. And I feel like more and more brands are now moving towards becoming sustainable, which is a huge step. And more and more people are understanding what fast fashion is, you know? What is sustainable and what is fast fashion? Well, I feel like sustainability has a really broad spectrum because I feel like sustainability can start from something so simple like just sourcing everything and not outsourcing stuff from China. You know what I mean? Okay. 
like locally sourced, right? Like going to like what like the materials, like you're right. talking about. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, because then that stops. Because if you're not shipping it exactly. and all that, then that's less carbon emissions from exactly. all the traveling all the way to here. Okay, got it. Exactly. So that's why it's like when people are like, "Oh, like what do you do that's sustainable?" Like I get it. We're not like fully sustainable yet. And by the way, it is like ten times more expensive to be a sustainable brand right. than than to just outsource everything. So it's it's almost like you're giving up profits in 1, order to have a thousand percent. Yeah. Even just the packaging, we use no plastic. Mm. Just even that is like, why is it more expensive for us to not mm -hmm. use plastic than <laughs> to just like ship everything in a plastic bag? Yeah. You know, like it's just like sustainability is just like when you become pescatarian or vegan and you go to the store and you start realizing that everything that is healthy is 10 times more expensive than all of the junk food. It's the yeah. same thing with fashion. Isn't that trippy? Yeah. It's like they don't want us to live our best life in every way possible. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy. <laughs> and what is fast fashion? And fast fashion is the overproduction um, when big brands steal from smaller artists mm -hmm. and kind of produce in a huge way. Um, I think, for example, Sheen is like, I was reading something yesterday that was saying they were like the worst right now, number wise. Like, trust me, I get it. Like I shop at places that are not sustainable, yeah. but I'm trying to do my best with my own company. And that's like where I put my two cents in. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do my best. And, and, but there's companies like Sheen where I've seen TikToks too, which is insane of people outing their packages and their receipts and like child labor, like children writing help on their stuff. And it's like- What? Yes, there's TikToks of that. And it's like, what are you supporting at this point? Because there's literally like Wait, sweatshops- there's people opening up packages, packages that have notes from kids like help me yes. in the sweatshop. How is that not on the front page of everything? Exactly. It's crazy. Conspiracy. <laughs> um, that's trippy. Yeah. And it's like these companies don't care because they're making so much money just like producing cheap quality stuff. I've literally had girlfriends tell me like, oh, I just shop there because it's like I, like, I just want to wear this once. Well, that's not sustainable like at all. I don't have any clothing that I'm just going to wear once. So I love Depop. I love Poshmark. I love all those like um, platforms that are in right now for you to like resell your stuff. I think that's a huge way to be sustainable oh, as like well. Resell your clothes. Yeah, resell your stuff. What are the websites called? Depop. Um, yeah. I know there's Poshmark. Um, there's only two that I really use. But sounds like a platform specifically for people to sell. You know, good quality secondhand. Yeah, exactly. Clothes, yeah, exactly. which I mean, any piece of clothes once you wear it once it's used, like mm -hmm. it's not <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't plan on wearing something more than once, then it's still pretty good quality. Like, just give it to somebody that is going to appreciate it more. Yeah. But, okay, so fast fashion, is that like saying fast food? Yeah. Because it. it's cheap and fast, but the quality sucks. That's literally it. Yeah. Just like fast food. <laughs> oh, I never heard that term. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because there's like economies of scale, but then how do you get like... In the best case scenario, let's say if a million people wanted to order from your company right now, mm -hmm. what would you then do? Like if you just got an order for a million pieces, a million, mm -hmm. would you then have to open up a factory here? Like, 
Um, I think that we would hire a, um, we would definitely hire a fulfillment center, which we aren't as big yet to do, but that's a goal of ours. Like, come on, I don't want to be shipping items out from my bedroom. Right. I've, like, for the rest of my life, that's not the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to scale. We want to grow. Um, in order to do that, we need to not worry about the small things like shipping our own items. But what about even making it? Because, like, I guess what I'm wondering is that, like, um, making things fast can also be a result of you being too successful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if a million people ordered your best item... Mm-hmm. they'd be on back order, I would imagine, right? Right. So in order for you to get a bunch of them done, wouldn't you need to? I guess it just wouldn't be a sweatshop. It would just be better paid. It would be ethically made by people that are getting paid correctly. It wouldn't be moms for over 20 hours sewing with their baby on their back in a right. in a not environmental, like, safe area. <laughs> and that's the truth of what's happening with some of these companies out in China and India and wherever they outsource their stuff. It's interesting to me that uh, mainstream media focuses so much on canceling individuals that it still doesn't look at the corporations that do major things like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, well be so quick to cancel like him or her and then run a Nike ad afterwards mm-hmm. in the middle of that cancellation conversation. Like, oh, so-and-so is canceled. Back to you after these messages. Cuts to Nike commercial promoting something made by kids in a sweatshop. Yeah. You kind of see what I'm saying? It's almost like the corporations that create these, for lack of better words, to say sins, right? They don't get, where's, where's that conversation? Why isn't that front page of CNN? I think it's hard for people that like, I mean, it's, it's even hard for me because I have a brand, right? But I also model. So I can't control what other brands are doing, mm. but I can control what, my brand is doing. And I think like recently I just did a shoot for a brand. I'm not going to disclose who, but, um, and I started having a little bit of controversy from my followers saying like, why would you work for them knowing everything you stand for? And I, I get that, but like also I need to be able to make my bread so that I can invest in my own projects and sometimes you have to like sacrifice a little bit of what you care about until you have the stability to fully, fully go and try and make a difference, you know? Yeah. And maybe, you know, from a perspective, the, the, the fans or the followers, they have a right to make a comment, but maybe they could be more empathetic to that, right? right. That, that your mission of being sustainable still requires funding. Exactly. Right? So if they're not lining up to particularly invest in your company, then they can't be mad at you for doing whatever gig you have to do, you know, to fund the thing that your operation is sustainable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they don't know how much harder, how much more money, and just overall the difficulties that we have as two immigrant women in this country trying to be a sustainable brand. It's so much harder than what people think it is. Yeah. I love that it's two immigrant women running it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marina's yeah. from Brazil and I'm from Colombia. So it's kind of just like we're both fire signs. This like fiery like fusion <laughs> of Latin culture coming into like streetwear, you know? I like it. Well, you guys represent the vibe of the brand. You are it. Yes. Like just the way you're dressed right now, just naturally. Like you exude this like, it's like, 
comfortable swag. I, I can't even know how to explain it. <laughs> like you look fantastic, but it doesn't, because a lot of fashion also doesn't look comfortable. A lot of people look great, but I'm like, I wouldn't want to wear that. Comfortability it, is everything yeah. for me. Like, I just love being comfortable. Well, that used to be the opposite. Then there used to be a quote that's saying like, fashion doesn't know comfort or something like that. There used to be some weird right. thing where it's just like, look good even if you feel like shit, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, why? What's right. the point? No, but like, I feel like Marina and I are both like tomboys at heart too. Mm. So like part of the reason why a lot of our pieces are unisex because we like to dress like boys, but we like to make it sexy too. So it's like this like balance of the masculine and feminine energy coming into like a brand. I dig that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the balance of masculine and feminine energy and how important is that to you? I think it's really important. I think that it's, it's a hard thing to master one because you need to be aware of it first. And a lot of people don't have that awareness or just don't have the knowledge of that. Yeah. But and, it, and it's something that you have to develop, you know? Like, I feel like also the way you were raised and the circumstances in which you were brought up have given you the amount of masculine and feminine. When you're in survival mode, you live a lot in your masculine. You never really know or become in touch with your feminine side unless you want to. I feel like men, it's like that, like they grow up their entire lives in like this like survival like of the fittest I can't show my emotions you right. can't be tapped in with your feminine but you truly need a balance of both mm -hmm. to acquire a level of peace in yourself and balance like you need both of those things yes to work properly and like be a a really well like put together human <laughs> yeah and <I laughs> without think, getting like triggered easily you know yeah and it has nothing to do with sexuality mm -hmm. i think it really is channeling the energies within us right a thousand percent. because i think i'm more effective as a leader and as a creative because i can tap into both mm -hmm. right i can tap into my feminine i can be emotional i can be empathetic i can really feel how somebody's feeling but then also i can tap into my masculine and just power through and get it done yes and take charge right and it's like if I'm, as a man, afraid to show my feminine side, it's actually a sign of weakness. 1,000%. I feel, I think that's less masculine if you can't tap into your feminine, mm -hmm. right? Because then it's like, well, are you only supposed to look a certain way? It's like, what? Yeah, I think people have it mixed up, like you said. Like, they think that feminine energy means that, like, it's sexuality. It's absolutely, it has nothing to do with your sexuality at all. These are, like, real yin and yang energies that live within all of us and part of our job here as part of our job here as humans is to master that yeah. they teach a lot of that in hinduism that's like one of my favorite religions to study oh nice mm -hmm. i need to look more into that i yeah. was just talking with my coach earlier today i have a coach from the tony robbins company we talk every week mm. about like my limiting beliefs and all that and I was realizing that lately I've been kind of overwhelmed because I've been powering too hard on my masculine side mm. that I feel like I'm just like, power through, make it happen, make it happen. But we made so much happen that I felt that I wasn't giving things a proper love they needed. Mm. I was more so just like knocking things out. And then I kind of boiled down all my stress into one question that I really like, and that is, what do I choose to give love to today? Mm. And think of it that way, right? So like I have certain projects that I have like a team working on that sometimes I won't touch that project for a couple of weeks just because I want to delegate to them. But then I feel like I'm not, yeah, like my masculine energy is like, just get it done. But it's like, yeah, but there's a difference. Creatively as an artist, there's like a, almost like a creative orgasm you get when you know you really put your soul into yes. something, you know? Yes. And I think the realization that I had is that 
I need to tap more into my feminine side in terms of nurturing my projects. Yes. To not spread myself too thin. So now my goal is to like, because, you know, I have maybe like five major projects that I'm working on. And sometimes in one day, I'll bounce between all of them. But now what I want to do is take one day per project yes. and give love to it. Yes. Nurture it, right? Because like if, if I'm, you know, like... Give your passion. Give your passion mm -hmm. to it, right? It's it's almost like you're hanging out with somebody. Like you want to yeah. give them a massage. Yes. You want to stretch out. You want to talk. See how you're doing. How's your world feeling? Yes. Feel good. Take a shower together. Have some fun. You know. Exactly. But it's like it, it, it it's it's like a, a nurture. It's a delicate love. It's giving. nurturing. That it's is nurturing. the feminine energy. Yes, and like and that can be applied to business, right? Because now I feel that like my sales process needs some love. Mm. I feel like there's some business partners that need some love. I'm like, hmm, I haven't really connected with them as much as I should have, right? It's 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 tapping into that. Because if I just stay in my masculine, I'm like, get it done. But I think in my feminine, it's more like, do it right. I love that. You and know? I love your awareness to that. Because like I said, a lot of men are blocked from understanding those things. So it's beautiful to hear you talk about it and to hear you be aware and becoming more aware of like where you're fluctuating and which one you're fluctuating in, you know? Yeah, well, it's important, you know, because I know I need both. And there's times where it's like I'm feeling too much. And I'm like, no, 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 power through. Let's get this yeah. shit done. And I have to really tap into it. And we did that for a couple of months. But, you know, our whole team kind of had individual, like, breakdowns this last month where we were like, yo, we're feeling, feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. We're taking on a lot. And we, feel, we felt spread too thin. And you know? drained. Drained, exactly. And that's how it makes you feel when you're not, like, nurturing yourself and whatever it is. That is making you feel that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I and uh, you uh, gave me a really imp interesting insight that you said that in survival mode you feel more masculine. Yeah, and that's something we talked about today too with my with my coach is that um, you know prior to a couple years ago I have been creative creatively successful but not always financially doing good. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, I launched a business that's actually doing good. Mm -hmm. I'm actually doing good financially now, but emotionally I'm still stuck on the financial traumas of the past. Mm. So I was still, even though my bank account was doing better than ever before, I was still like saying yes to everything and overloading myself because that's why I did in survival mode. In mm -hmm. survival mode, I said yes to everything. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't need to say yes to any of everything anymore. Now I feel like I want to show up as my best. I want to feel that the, the few things that are on my plate, that they get the fullest version of me. Yes. Where I can be like the way that like Kanye talks about his albums when he's done, where he's like, I put a thousand hours into this. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a level of when Kanye is confident about something, it's because he feels that he put in the work for it. He's like, y'all don't understand how much work I put into this, right? right. It's like there's a, a sense of pride from effort, Yes, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt was missing. I'm like, I'm getting a lot done, but I'm missing that pride of effort. Mm -hmm. And that comes from the feminine energy. It's like, why am I not tapping into that? Oh, it's because I'm still emotionally addicted to being stressed about not having money, even mm -hmm. though I have money now. It's yes. like... And having boundaries with yourself, yeah. like creating boundaries with yourself, saying no to jobs. That's been something like really like it's hard a new for skill. me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right? yeah, it's developing a whole nother thing where it's like you need to know your own boundaries and what feels good and what's not going to make you feel left like drained. And even with relationships and people, you know, like put your energy where it should be, where you feel good. Yeah, because mm -hmm. when I'm doing the right thing, even though it takes physical effort, 
it rejuvenates my energy. Exactly. Right? Yes, like, I agree. Because there's been times where I've been up all night full of energy. Yes. Because what I'm doing is reciprocal. We're all having a great time. We're just in discovery mode. We're in a flow state. Then there's times where I'm like, it's drain. It's like two or three hours and I feel like the whole day is already dead, you know, because the 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 activity I'm doing or how I perceive myself doing it isn't giving me that juice. But that's, and, and I and I love that. And I think that's why as like creatives and artists, we have to have all of these different little outlets <laughs> and all of these different little passions that we find out because that's how like, that's how I find my new passions. You know, it's like if I'm working like really hard on fashion every day and night, and on my brand every day and night, and there's so much to do always, like there has been times where I feel like completely drained and it's like, oh my God, it's not working out. Or like, oh my God, like this is just like way too much more work than I thought it was gonna be. But then I have like my other little things where it's like I got in a studio for the first time and started singing. I never had the courage to do that before. And now it's like this stress reliever that I can just do for fun and it's fun to do. Yeah, you know? it's almost like, um, like uh, you have to have like a creative polyamory relationship with your yes. projects. <laughs> exactly. You, know? you have your primary projects other. Yeah. and then you have like the one I stand projects where you're just <laughs> like, you know what? I'm just going to dabble in my friend's short film for the weekend. And yeah, it's gonna give and it could be juice. so simple yeah. like painting, you know, but mm. like just being able to have an outlet for yourself when you do feel drained or like you do feel overwhelmed by the yes. big things that you want. Yes, mm -hmm. right? So that's the formula. You have the main, the, the primary mm -hmm. mission and then the side curiosity missions mm -hmm. that spark into it. Like that's what this podcast was. You know, I've normally I direct music videos and commercials and now we sell like online dance classes and and I just wanted to create up something that was for me. And this podcast doesn't make me any money. It costs money, but it gives me energy. Yes. Like I, like right now, we're like, what, an hour into it? And I have more energy than when we started. Like I'm like yeah. worked up, right? Yeah. This takes effort, but I feel good. And I love that. Yeah. And, and I feel that through your content. Like I love your content. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I love your whole vibe. Thank you. <laughs> you have a very um, welcoming energy. Thank you. Especially because I met you at an industry event. And in LA, it's kind of a hit or miss with people. People are either in tune with being able to connect with each other or they're still trying to put up the facade. Oh, I love connecting with people. That's like the main reason why I love festivals so much. Mm. Like it's just like meeting new people, being – I'm such an extrovert though. Like I feel like I feed off of like other people's energies. I'm, I'm like, the same yes. way. That's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> why so I love being on set. Yeah. When I'm like in production, those are my easiest days. Yeah. There's so much going on, but I'm like, oh, I can handle it. People, great. Yeah. It's like all the energies just bounce off of each other and we create like a symphony together. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And what I like about um, festivals too is that uh, your status outside of the festival kind of fades away when you're in party mode. Yeah. Right? Because you could be you know, dancing next to like an Uber driver, a doctor, and a millionaire. And you don't know who does what. Exactly. Right here, we're just humans dancing. Exactly. You, you kind of uh, lose some of that social dynamic hierarchy yeah. that you have a lot of time at quote industry events. Exactly. Yeah. It was. Um. It's pretty interesting because like my boyfriend, he comes from completely like industry LA. That's all he really knew. He moved out here to be part of a boy band, and like he meets me, and I'm like this like festival spiritual queen that like he knows nothing about. And I take him to his first festival, and he's like, 
what is this? Like, it made him so uncomfortable to see people be so much themselves and not have to pretend. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he saw so many people being just themselves and being weird and crazy that it, like, made him uncomfortable because he's so used to being in L.A. and seeing how people act at One Oak yeah. or how they act at Warwick. Yeah. And it's like, you don't got to be like that, babe. Like, I literally remember having this conversation <laughs> with him. Like, it's okay. Like... To be yourself yes. and not have to pretend. And I think I bring a lot of that to my daily life in LA. Like who I am at a festival is like completely who I am in my day-to-day -day life. Like <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> like I am a walking festival. <laughs> People are like, how do you go to all these things? I'm like, it's my lifestyle. It truly is my lifestyle. Yeah. Like I, I love, I would, and when I say festivals, I don't mean like, like raves like I yes I love a good party but my favorite type of events are transformational events mm. where there's a healing section to the yes. event there's more than just the there's music breath work there's exactly. yoga there's whatever. like lightning yeah. in a bottle I just came from that festival it's like one of the best festivals I heard nothing but great things about in it. SoCal it's like so inclusive to everything to every taste of music to, they bring guest speakers from all over the world, Africa, Asia, like to talk about like psychedelic science. They bring scientists. They have really interesting like talks. They also have like all of these different workshops. You can do yoga. It's so much more than just going to see my favorite artist. Baby, and, we got to go to Lightning in the Bottle. Yes. <laughs> Next time. I feel like we're really going to like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's so much fun. And it's a big kid playground because everyone there is just like, grown but like everyone's acting like a child and i love it yeah <laughs> and on the inside that's all we are we're all just a bunch of kids heal your inner child mm -hmm. that and be staying tapped with that like stay in touch with that yeah like me that was one of my biggest um realizations one of the first times i did ayahuasca is like like what did i want when i was younger you know mm. that's what i need to be going for and i think a lot of us within society conditioning as we keep growing, we lose that instantly with the fear of, I'm not good enough for that. Or the conditions that we grow up in. But it's always like so amazing to me to see these artists, for example, like Coffee, one of my favorite artists right now. She's um, a, like a reggae Afrobeat singer from Jamaica. She's like 20 years old. Like seeing people from conditions like that, where you would think they can never, like, it's like one million, right. you know what I mean? That can actually, like, get out of that and become successful in America. Like, it's possible. And just, like, seeing everyone do it, that seems like it's impossible, should give anyone the, should give anyone, like, the belief that they can do it too. You know, that's what, like, this world is really about, like, aspiring to inspire others. Yes. And you know what's interesting too is that even when somebody doesn't know specifically what they want to do, something I always like to ask those people is like, well, what do you do for fun? Exactly. Because that industry probably needs work. Exactly. Even if you hate everything and you just play video games, go work for a video game company. There's people whose professional jobs it is to test video games. It's like... Be the best <laughs> at Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. If that's what you'd like to do. There's literally... You can be the best Twitch streamer. Like, yes. there's so much in every industry that you could do exactly like work in developing video games, work in so much you could do in every industry. Yo, and that's what I think is really interesting about the time that we live in now. And I think 
I hear a lot of people saying that like, oh, the world's going to shit. Da, 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 and I'm like, kind of, but also kind of not. There's never been more opportunity to do what you love. Like yes. if you had an aspiring fashion label in 1930, <laughs> right? Then, you know, it'd be a whole different world. Even in 1970, you know, women couldn't have the. And I'm pretty sure I read this online. So sometimes I quote things, but I, I, what I read was that women weren't allowed to have their own bank accounts without their husbands until 1970 or 75 in America or something like that. I was like, just talking to someone about this because I think it's so interesting. Like I'm so fascinated by my grandmother's life. Mm. Like she didn't get the chance to even learn how to drive because it was like not accepted for women to know how to drive. And that's just one generation away from me. Yeah. Like that's what it blows my mind to think about like her life as a woman in Colombia where like men to this day are superior to women. And like you have to act a certain way and be a certain way. Yeah. Like I'm just so grateful to be able to live in this generation to have all of the technology and like lived, we, yes, we've lived through horrible things and like we've lived through and we're currently still living through such a big shift in time. Like the fact that women still have to worry about getting abortion and still have to worry about these like topics that feel so ancient, but it's still current. You know, it's like all over the world in different ways, in different ways all over the world. It's still like yeah, there's still a hard lot of room to for swallow for yes. men. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there's still so much more room for growth. Yeah. And I think we as the people are in a better position to do something about it than 1, ever before, right? Because now, even at the most cynical level, you could say that a poor person who otherwise has no voice could make a very vulnerable video on social media, sharing their experience about whatever, and that could reach the minds of a lot of people. Yeah. And eventually reach the mind of somebody who could change that law, right? Not directly, but at least now we have that opportunity. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, there's no better time to do what you love than right now. And especially um, if you can. And a lot of people may feel like they're in a, in a city or in a circumstance where they can't do it mm -hmm. right away. But like you said, you had to work at T-Mobile. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, you don't just give up everything and start right. like, <laughs> right. selling bracelets. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, but at the end of the day... If we're going to die anyway, then why don't we just do the thing that we love, right? It's like I imagine somebody being exactly. like a, a lawyer working like 100 hours a week to make a bunch of money so that they can a couple times a year go snowboarding because that's what they really love. Well, just just move to Colorado and work at the bar and snowboard all the time anyway. Right. You'd be doing more of the thing that you love than making a bunch of money at a job you hate to sometimes do the thing you love. It sucks because I feel like a lot of people don't become aware that they're unhappy doing what they're doing until later on in life where it's like they feel like it's too late to even start what they originally really want to do, you know? In most cases, it's not. I'm seeing all kinds of videos on TikTok of like grandmas getting down, dancing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Living their best life. But that's what I mean. Like now is the easiest form because of social media, because we have these tools to help you get out there yeah. and show the world your talent. It could be, literally be as easy as like, I'm the only person in my town that knows how to yodel and you could like <laughs> become the next sensation and you're now playing at Coachella, opening up for Lil Nas, like weird, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I hate it might say like, oh, well, that's cheesy or whatever. Like, what else do you want? You wanna work at a coal mine? Right. We always have to do jobs that you may or may not necessarily want and now cheesy as it is you can make money on social media mm -hmm. 
Like even if you're like a truck driver, I've seen truck drivers that have podcasts from their trucks. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm driving through Idaho right that. now. And it's just like, I love this road or whatever. It's just what you're passionate yeah. about. And it's attractive. I think it's so cool to see people do like their daily life and like just to see the inside of like what someone's life is, even if it's not like what I what I want for my life, you know what I mean? Like, it's really cool to see what's on social media nowadays, like what's yes. trending on TikTok, like people sharing their weird little habits. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool because now we get to see that we're not the only weird ones. Yes, It's exactly. like, oh, you guys make funny faces too. Ah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. No, definitely. Um, what do you do for fun outside of creating? Like, what's your... Let me think. Well... Festivals. festivals. <laughs> That's what I like. What about to do. in between festivals? Um, okay, well, I I like to snowboard. Like yeah. in, in the winter time, I, I love to snowboard. Um, what else do I like to do? I like to travel and like go to new places. I love nature, so I love being in nature. Me too. I never regret going to nature. Yeah, nature. I mean, I guess if you got attacked by a bear, you might regret it that day. But mm-hmm. you know. It feels nice to reconnect. I went back to my mom's house this weekend in Chicago, and um, she has this beautiful backyard full of birds and trees and greenery. And um, and I was just relaxing there. And I had my laptop for one hour, and I got more done in that hour than I normally do, like all day, because I was in such a beautiful place surrounded by nature. And it led me to, to this intention to create what I call like peaceful productivity. Mm. I love that. You know, because normally productivity is associated with stress, which is survival mode. And you can only make a certain level of decisions from survival mode, which is better than being apathetic, just in give up mode, right? If you're giving up, one step up from that is survival and stress, right? Because you're taking energy. But then to make higher quality decisions, at least for me, I need to be in a peaceful state. Yeah. And I'm learning that. And now I create energy from it. But there's a difference between having urgency and being in a rush. Oh, see, that's what I need to work on. I feel like I'm always in a rush. Same. <laughs> and there's a difference, right? Urgency is just acting with priority. Like, this is the most important thing. I'm going to focus on it now. But when I was with my mom, we were supposed to film something. I was going to help her with her, like, ballet master class. I love She's, that. Uh, yeah, I grew up in an artistic family. My mom and dad both did it. And um, But then she got COVID, so then we couldn't film. So we ended up just, like, chilling all week. And I was, like, kind of forced to relax. I was like, okay, fine, I'll relax and... Then I was like, wow, this is so peaceful. And I was like, well, let me just pull out the laptop real quick. And I fixed so many things in the company. I innovated like our design style, our coloring, this and that. And I was like, how did I get so much done in such a short period of time? I love that. I was that. in a beautiful state, you know? I had urgency because I did what was important, but um, I wasn't in a rush. And, and I only had about an hour to work because I was spending time with my family. Mm, I'm not trying to be working there yeah. the whole time. And I think because I was in a relaxed state, and I knew that my time was limited, I made it a very high quality hour of work. I love that. You know? It's like, I want more of that. Yes. You know, like I feel that at some point to get twice as much done is not about working twice as many hours. Mm -hmm. It's work smarter, not harder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the trick, but it's so hard, you know? Cause I feel like you're, I feel like it's just always on go. Like the, (laughs) and then that's where like, That's why I am so passionate about like plant medicine, I think, because it's the one number one thing in my life 
that makes me like literally sit down and deal with all of my shit and like sit there and be patient with myself because I'm always just like you mean mushrooms um mushrooms but mm, no more like I, I ayahuasca like actual ceremony with really? shamans and I've stuff. never done ayahuasca I've done a lot of psychedelics but not that I want to what was your first experience like my first experience was beautiful beautiful like just it part of the reason I started doing music was because I literally had this vision of me on stage like being a superstar, being a pop star. And I'm like, wait, oh my God, I can actually do it. Yeah. And it gave me that inspiration. But it, it was it was awesome. It was definitely like I've let up to, I feel like Colombia, there's a lot of ayahuasca. I feel like it's in my blood, literally. Like I'm, I feel indigenous roots in me. I felt like one day I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. And with that kind of stuff, it's really like, let it come to you. And when you're ready, you shall do it. Yeah. You know, you'll have the opportunity but um going into it what was, what was your intention my intention was just to see people and, and it's funny because i feel like everyone's always like oh like what do i need to heal what do i need to do yeah. like like what is my intention thinking so hard about it but like you don't even have to think that hard about it it's just like my intention was to heal whatever it is that i need to heal within myself i may not know what it is but i i want to experience enlightenment I want to experience and see myself in in a different perspective that I didn't know I needed to be worked on in a way I wanted to ask questions that's like the really cool thing because like ayahuasca let me give you a little background of what ayahuasca is for those people that don't know what it is so DMT is the chemical in our brain that makes us dream it's released twice in our life when we're born and when we die And um, it's also in most living things, including plants. Um, Ayahuasca is found in the vines of the Amazon, in South America, in Brazil, in Colombia, and Peru. They call it the lungs of the earth because it is literally such strong potency of DMT that like tribes in the past have used it to heal all of the elders in the tribes. Wow. So they what they would do is they would name their strongest child in the tribe um, shaman so that they would brew this tea, the abuelitas would brew this tea, and they would teach the child how to drink this tea. And the moment that the child does not throw up once drinking the tea is the moment that he's named shaman. Wow. Being, a, being able to completely control the energy of ayahuasca. And they, they truly believe that it's an energy. It's a feminine energy. It's like mother ayahuasca. Like it's like a feminine earthy energy. And she is a healer. And um, so once the shaman, like he heals the tribe by giving them the tea and helping guide them through whatever it is that they need to detox it's a beautiful medicine to me because it's not just psychoactive, it's physical. Mm. So a lot of people go to these ceremonies with physical illnesses that, you know, have been said to be chronic and leave being healed or leave better than they did before because they've completely detoxed their body from all the bad things that they couldn't do, they couldn't detox from in the regular world or with um, Western medicine. So it's an amazing option to have when like you feel like you have nothing else to turn to and you have we have plants and that's literally I went to 
um, a talk once at a festival where they talked about plants are the new science. Like, I truly believe that plants have higher healing energies than all of this, like, lab medicine that yeah. is potentially killing a lot of us. Yeah. You know? It's, like, connect more with the earth and what God has given to us um, and what has been around for ancient <laughs> times, you know? And, like, and connecting to that is just healing itself. So doing it, I was definitely, like, nervous like everyone is because it's a scary kind of thought to have an out-of-body experience or whatever it is that you have expectations of having. But the most surprising thing I thought, like, that I, like, realized during my first experience was that um, you're a lot of the time omni-conscious. So it's like you're aware that you're in ceremony and you're doing the damn thing, but you're also having this complete different experience at the same time. Wow. So it's really interesting because, like, you think you're just going to, like, have a completely dissociated experience, but a lot of the time it's just, like, the first cup feels like a heavy, heavy dose of mushrooms where you're just, like, okay, like, you know, going through the waves. Mm -hmm. And, like, the second cup um, feels a little bit more intense and you start, like, having visions. Um, I started asking the spirit of ayahuasca a lot of questions about my life and it would answer which was really interesting wow yeah and then um they say the third cup is the charm but i still have not been able to do three cups <laughs> um it's really strong like the second time i did it i did colombian ayahuasca which is a different strain it's called yahe and it's a stronger strain because they have some type of masculine like masculine energy of a root in the tea that they brew it with. And it's so much stronger. Like that kicked my ass. I was literally like going through it. I was healing my mm -hmm. ancestors' trauma. <laughs> like, wow. like I experienced a lot of trauma that my mom had. And I felt like I healed a lot of things for her. And it was like really traumatic for me to experience those things. Cause I was like, what, like, what? Like I'm here for me and I'm experiencing all these things about my mom and like, I that feel stuff like, lives inside of you. So, yeah. So, like, I was tripped out after ceremony. I was like, what just happened to me? Like, I need to talk to the shaman. Like, what just happened to me? And I talked to him, and I was like, why did that, like, why did I experience this? And he literally was like, because if you didn't heal that part of yourself that you had instilled in you from your mother, you wouldn't have, you would have transferred it to your children one day. Which, wow. like, literally, like, it just, like, blew my mind, like, so right all of the trauma that we are born with because of the trauma that our parents and the generations before that gave us that we don't even know about yeah you know not like, to mention then our own that we build you know it's not like to we're already our born own. with that yeah exactly it's like before i bring kids into this earth i want to heal a lot of that for myself because i know what like i've had to go through as a person to get to this point you know that's beautiful. Yeah. I feel very optimistic about the future of that because yeah. there's a lot of people on many sides talking about this. See, a lot of uh, universities are doing uh, uh, yeah. studies with psychedelics, with psilocybin, mm -hmm. right? It's curing depression. It's helping all kinds mm -hmm. of people. And I can imagine why back in the day the government wanted to schedule on it mm -hmm. because when they were creating wars, you need obedient soldiers that yeah. don't ask a lot of questions. Wasn't acid like used as mind control and stuff? Like how scary is that <laughs> what they were trying to mind control but then it did the opposite and mind expanded 
Right. right. Yeah, and that's where the whole like hippie like Woodstock <laughs> era came from, right? <laughs> exactly, because it's like I would imagine if somebody you know was on their way to go fight a war and then they took shrooms, yeah, they'd be like, "What am I doing here? <laughs> I should right. be helping these people. Why? Like, like we should all be loving each other. Ugh. Like, if every person in power had to do ceremony, the world would be such a better place. <laughs> that should just be another one of our long term goals, is just to get right? everybody in power to do it. <laughs> yeah, like. You just understand the universe in a different way that, like, should be understood by everybody. Like, we and are it's all not so much one. Mental. It's a. It's a feeling. It's a knowing. It's a. It's a going back to who you are. Truly, it's like it. It is a feeling. It's a knowing. I love that. Yeah, it's a remembrance. What are some? key messages you would want to give to your future child mm. that you've learned thus far? Don't underestimate the power of your own belief in yourself. Mm. Because, like, that has changed my life completely, you know, just believing in myself, period. Like, the difference and... The difference of believing in myself and the difference of not believing in myself and doubting myself is insane, what I've been able to, like, yes. do. So much of um, things that you we think we want, a lot of people aren't even going for them, mm -hmm. right? Like, if you just are clear on a particular goal and very passionately dedicated to it and you believe in yourself, yeah. even if you suck, you're going to get better. Exactly. It's It's so cliche, right? Like, everyone's just like... Like they ask all these artists, they ask all these like celebrities, like what would you say to people? Like just believe in yourself. It's so cliche, but it's literally the key. <laughs> like you have to believe in yourself. If you don't, then it's going to show. Yes. Because then you half-ass it, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you half-ass it because you're doubting yourself, then it doesn't work out. And exactly. it reinforces that belief to say, see, I told you I couldn't do it. Exactly. Well, not with that attitude. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas if you confidently fuck up, then you can then you can own it. You can see what happens. I mean, and granted, it's easier said than done. 1,000%. But I believe not just believing in yourself and your goals, but I believe that is powerful enough to heal you physically as well. Like having a good mindset, having a positive mindset. Have you seen the um, documentary? There's a documentary on Netflix called Heal. And it's, it's amazing how they go down the rabbit hole of like the scientific proof of patients who have believed in their healing compared to like those that haven't. Well, they have placebo trials, mm -hmm. right? Or they give people a, a pill that has nothing. But like, they'll tell you it's a sleeping pill and you fall yep. asleep. And then sometimes they'll do the opposite. They'll give you like a sleeping pill but tell you it's Adderall. And if you really believe that it is, your body will transform it and create that chemical. That's crazy. Right? Because yeah. it's like our interpretation creates the reality. The belief. Exactly. Whatever you believe is the truth. Yeah. So live in your truth. Believe hard in the things that you want for yourself, how you see the world. Yes. And that will be your reality. Well, think about it this way, right? There's been times where people have told me something that was a lie, but I believed it mm -hmm. and I got pissed off and angry or sad or whatever because mm -hmm. I accepted it as true. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe this person did this to me. And then I feel all the emotional mm -hmm. shittiness of it. But then later I find out it didn't happen. So then 
that thing doesn't control me. My belief about that thing right. controls me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Belief. It's like everything. <laughs> yeah. That belief. And it's like also the interpretation of it. Yeah. Because we get to choose what it means. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. I, I remember I always intellectually knew more about money, but I was mostly broke. Mm-hmm. Right? Which was a weird feeling because I could be at a dinner table with people that are rich and I could talk a good game, but my bank account was like, mm. right? But then I remember uh, like two or three years ago, I lost all my money and got like evicted from my apartment and like like lost everything. And I was like, oh shit. I then had an emotional lesson because mm. intellectually, I knew to save money. Mm-hmm. Intellectually, I knew to invest. Like I could talk about it very mm-hmm. well, but I wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. But then when I had that, that experience of being evicted, that experience of losing it all, I had an emotional reality check of being like, ah, don't ever feel this way again. Mm-hmm. And even though intellectually I knew to save, now emotionally I knew what it felt like to lose it all. Yeah. I'm like, ah, got it. Mm-hmm. right? So then you could ask, okay, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing getting evicted? Well, you shouldn't try to get evicted all the time, right? But the fact that it happened and it caused me pain, that pain was a gift. Yes. I needed to feel that. I needed to feel embarrassed. I needed to cry and be like, I can't believe this. Because then now I know that's I will never have that again. Yes. And then pandemic hit, started a new business, and now we're crushing it. Exactly. But I needed that. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't just, it's the belief. It's, I, I believed that it was a gift. Yes. I used it as a gift, right? Because I could have just thought of it as life is punishing me. Right. And why me? And why me? And this Victim. person didn't pay me back. And this person, and I could be accurate. Mm-hmm. Accuracy doesn't mean it's effective. Right. I could tell the truth that, oh, I loaned money to my ex-girlfriend and she didn't pay me back. And da, da. Okay, it's true. But me living with that story is just making me a victim. Yep. Right? Even though it's true. Yes. Right? And you know, it's funny because um, I had loaned my ex a particular amount of money that I didn't get it back. And then, and that like really put me on my heels. And then randomly a year later, there was an artist, I shit you not, named Destiny, <laughs> who popped up and said they wanted to shoot a music video. And Destiny, if you're watching, <laughs> hit me up. They sent me the money. That was the exact amount I loaned my ex. Wow. And then they never hit me back to do the video and just <laughs> disappeared from my life. What? Wait, so literally <laughs> just like they paid you, but the video was never made? Yes. They just paid me it all up front. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll shoot it in a couple weeks. Just all the money up front. And then just ghosted me. And their name is Destiny. That's insane. So if Destiny, if you're watching, I guess I owe you a video, but you disappeared. <laughs> Wait, um, that's that's crazy. I, and I love those synchronicity, like, aha moments where it's just like, whoa. Well, hey, Hello. Okay. Oh, oh, yes, kisses. Oh, kisses. Okay. <laughs> if he's too much, you can push him down. Okay, Brazzy, down. Yes. Oh, he's being cute. Yeah. Yes, you make your appearance every time. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> It's so funny. Oh. <laughs> hey, buddy. Did you like the conversation? He's like, yeah, I like learning about the possibilities. <laughs> so funny. We call him Brasilito. Brasilito. Oh. Mm-hmm. Do you have any pets? I do. I have a kitty, and his name's Lucifer because he was a devil, but we call him Lulu because he's an angel now. He's so cute. He's white and fluffy. Have you been more of a cat person or a dog person? I had a dog growing up. I was always a dog person at my parents' house. But then when I moved to college, I was all alone and I could not take care of a dog. 
thank God I didn't choose to get a dog. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> my cat is so easygoing and like I don't feel like I have a child. All my friends that have dogs, like I feel like their parents literally. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how it feels. He's <laughs> yeah. a handful. But you know, for me, I, I've never had a pet growing up. I never had a cat or a goldfish. So then when we got Brazi, it's just uh, it's nice because it became something that was consistent. Yes. Because you know, as an artist, we're always Yes all over the place and I still am I'm very variety driven oh he but he puts consistency in yes. your life that's so cute oh same with my cat but like he's just like I feel like he's my emotional support like animal for sure yes like he's just there to comfort even though he doesn't because they're cats and like they're just like Ugh, mom stop <laughs> <laughs> but he's there for the vibes and keeps me company and like I thought about the fact that cats live until they're like 20 so when I got him I was like yes I'll have you for a long time right like my dog that I had for I had her since I was 10 years old and then she passed away when I was like like two years ago I think mm-hmm. and it's left the biggest hole in my heart like I can imagine like Pets dying, like, kill me. It's so sad. Oh, yeah. I'm reminded of that every day when I look at him. I'm like, yo, you know, even though he he gets a lot of hairs all over, he sheds all over the house. I'm like, one day he's going to be dead and I'm going to wish he still had his fur shedding on my couch. Yeah. Because it's a sign of life. Yeah. I still got to clean it up all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Still a mess, but it's a sign of life. It's a good sign. Oh, they're just such good companions, doggies. Like, they're literally a man's best friend. That would be such a great way to spy on somebody is to give them a dog and have like a recorder on their collar. Like, you know how many secrets we divulge to our pets? <laughs> no, I talk, I talk to my cat all the time and he just like stares at me like I'm psycho. <laughs> I talk to him all the time. It's so funny. Yeah, right? Brasilito. <laughs> Thanks for the pop-in, buddy. Literally, he's like chilling now. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So what's next for you? What's next? Um, I mean, fashion for me is like an ongoing thing that I want to keep working on and building my craft with that. Um, I'm going to pursue this music thing. I think I'm going to drop my first song on my birthday, December 2nd of this year. I love that. So that's something exciting and new for me, new and debut to look out for, I guess. (laughs) And I can imagine, right, like... A lot of times when we're doing identity expanding activities like that, like you going from doing fashion and acting to then doing music as well, it can be scary. Oh, it's right? so because terrifying. Because we have such a sense of certainty from who we believe we are yeah. and from who our friends believe we are. Yep. They're like, oh, they know you as the fashion girl, right? Right. It's for you to then say, oh, by the way, I'm doing music. There could be a fear that says, well, what would they think of me? Or maybe they'll, they'll be like, well. Why are you doing music, right? Like how they talk honey. Why are you doing fashion? Right. I think people, there's always going to be some level of resistance, internal or external. But there's nothing more beautiful than expanding your identity. 1,000% and just being like a creator of all kind. That's like my goal is to showcase myself in many different ways, not just one. I'm like a chameleon. My name's Camilla and I'm a chameleon and <laughs> I morph and do all these different things and (laughs) that's just me, you know? Like I want to continue to grow in many different ways. And I can imagine eventually when you do your healing retreats, how it can all combine. Exactly. Right? The the retreat could be sustainable. You could score it yourself, right? You create the soundtrack for it. You have experience with plants. You might even create the outfits for it or whatever, right? It's, there's no limitations to creativity. Right. And, And I really hope that people out there watching 
um, try to expand who they think they are. Because exactly. even if it's you're not going to be a professional this or the you know, like we recently started playing tennis, you know, and it's like I'm not trying to be a professional tennis player, but just the experience I have while I'm doing that then leads to this. Exactly. And then I do the podcast and then the effort I put into the podcast makes me want to do a music video a little different, right? Yes. It's you gotta have find those things that yes. give you joy, spark exactly. the the happiness. And like don't limit yourself to like being so serious about one thing and like one goal. Yeah. I, I used to do that so hard and like I would get so frustrated not seeing results. And now I'm like with acting, for example, it's like acting, I feel like is really hard because there's just like so many auditions constantly. You're having to do all these different things and audition all the time. And it's like, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You get you say no, 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 no. And it's like one day you have to keep doing it because you don't know who's going to say yes. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of rejection yeah. in the acting world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I uh, learned this at a seminar I went to this year. It's a distinct difference between them rejecting you or rejecting your offer or rejecting your presentation. Yes. A lot of times we get turned down for something. We get turned down for a project, for a date, for whatever, right? When somebody says no, they're not necessarily saying no to you. They're saying no to your offer. Exactly. Right? Like the way you audition today. No, or maybe you're not the right one for this, but it doesn't mean you are rejected. Exactly. It means what you were bringing to the table today was rejected. And it's not for you. Like, I truly believe in that. Like, if what is for you won't miss you. And I know that for me in my acting career, the right role, the perfect role for me will emerge and I will fit that characteristic so well that they can't say no to me. Yes. You know, that's interesting that my biggest projects... I didn't have to do a lot of selling to get them. Exactly. I was just the right one for the job. Yeah. You know, because you make a website, you have all these presentations and everything, and it's nice to have, you know, to, to show who you are. But yeah, the biggest ones have all just been because somebody trusted me. Exactly. Didn't even have to pitch them. They were just like, no, you're, you're doing this. Exactly. And sometimes it's as easy as just like continue to be yourself. You never know who's watching. You never know, like, who just thinks about you and says your name in a room of opportunity mm -hmm. just because you're being yourself. Facts. <laughs> so as we near the wrap here, um, what messages would you want to give? I know it's such a corny thing to ask, but, but and this whole thing has been messages. But, but let's tune in. Let's tune in to the aspiring artists out there. That, that know they have this feeling of something they want to create, but they're still in the shy, trying to figure it out stage. Mm -hmm. What message do you channel to them? Develop your craft. Like, and understand your purpose with that. Understand your intention. Put intention behind everything. Because without intention, you're lost. You don't really know what or why you're doing it. There's no passion behind it without intention. So that's important. Um, and develop that, work on it every day. Yeah. It's about effort. Yes. You know, um, because to get to a point of greatness, mm -hmm. it requires effort. Yeah. There's no shortcuts to it. Yeah. Right. And this is where I think people could apply the, 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 the advice of saying, oh, do what you love. What does that mean? If you love something, you're going to enjoy doing it a lot. Yes. Maybe not all the time, but you're going to want to do it more. Yes. Like there's days where I spend 15 hours making videos, but I want to, I crave it. Mm -hmm. There's a good feeling at the end of finishing a great video, mm -hmm. right? Even if my videos sucked at the beginning, they got good because I enjoyed it. 
Exactly. It's actually a key to success. Like if somebody wants to be a great lawyer, they better enjoy doing that shit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Really. Whatever it is. Yeah, right? whatever You have to find is. some pleasure in it. Like instead of doing things for fun, it's like doing things with fun, with pleasure, exactly. bringing it into it. Yep. Um, Camilla, it's been nice vibing with you. I know. I've had so much fun. Time has flown. I'm yeah, like, right? whoa. We're already an hour and a half into it. Amazing. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, I really love what you're doing, and your fashion is incredible. Thank you. I can't wait to see how it grows, you Thank know, you so and the vibe that you guys keep curating. And one day, I want to go to one of those retreats that you're going to make. Yes. <laughs> You'll have a VIP invite. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring Brazzy, too. He'll be there. Yes. <laughs> um, so tell the people at home, um, where can they find you? Where can they buy the stuff? Am I looking at the camera? Yeah, uh-huh. Um, my Instagram is Camilla Lala. With three A's at the end. Um, and same as my TikTok. You can find me on there. And my brand is on my bio. <laughs> and what is the brand name? Dead Blood. And what is the website? Deadblood.com, but with a U, not an O-O. <laughs> Bada boom. All right. Final, final line of the podcast is yours. Go. Close it out. Ah! That's so hard. Final line of the podcast. I haven't been nervous this whole time until right now. Now I'm sweating. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? Um, life is magic. So find the magic and let it go. Let it flourish in your life because it is magical. Just You're the wizard. You're the wizard, Harry. <laughs> I love that. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thank you for watching. <laughs> nice. Yay. That was so awesome. Thank you so much.